Tonight's final bout is for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, scheduled for one fall or two curfew. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. The last of the titans. In the passion and death of their struggle, the very art that had raised them to such Olympian heights was lost. Their techniques vanished. Referee giving instructions here to both principals, and this should be one whale of a match to wind up things here in Madison Square Garden. All right, well, welcome to another edition of the Titans of Wrestling. Uh, we don't quite have a full house this week. There is one Joker in the pack missing. <laughs> so, uh, no James this week. But uh, as ever, I've got uh, Kelly, Pete, and Johnny. Don't say hello all at once. Hi. <laughs> hello. How are you guys? Hello. How are you guys this week? Uh, Pete, how are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. How's everyone doing? Groovy. Fantastic. So, uh, before uh, before we get into uh, the footage this week, uh, it's time for our favourite regular feature, the mailbag. Are you ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> so here it is. I've got I've got the mail, and there's quite a few letters this week. So I'll just pull one out. It says, "Dear sir, please cease and desist." <laughs> <laughs> so this is from uh, this is from Chicago. Um, it says, uh, Dear Titans of Wrestling, <laughs> this show is a real highlight of my week. Um, but does any footage exist of Pat Patterson going through 15 men in one night? Uh, <laughs> uh, in Rio, yours, Sue Russell. Anybody got the answer to that? <laughs> you know, here, you know, you asked me that question, and I've got my little three year old nephew on my lap here, so I can't give the obvious answer. So, <laughs> okay. Uh. Any, any uh, anyone else got the answer there, Kelly? Uh... Yeah, the, yeah, the footage exists, and it was behind the swinging doors at the the video rental store. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next it was in a bathhouse. It was in a bathhouse in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the next the next letter I've got is from uh, San Francisco. It says, "Dear Titans of Wrestling, <laughs> I really love the show. Uh, what do you think of WWF cage match rules?" I think it's really lame that the object is to run away from your opponent. And that's from uh, Sharon O'Dunno. <laughs> so what do you think of uh, the cage match rules of the WWF, where you run away rather than pin or submit? Pete, I'll go, I'll go you first. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the escape the rules. Uh, I prefer pinning your opponent. So I'm, I'm with, uh, with our, uh, our loyal, loyal viewer with the question. Johnny, where do you stand on that? Because you're probably like the hardest core WF fan of us. Uh, well, I grew up with that, and I never really dug it. I mean, it never made any sense to me. And then when I start saw other wrestling, I went, "Oh, that's so much better." Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I never, I never much cared for the. That, I mean, there are some great matches worked around that stipulation, yeah. but in general, it just didn't make any. Even to me as a kid, it didn't make any sense. I was just like. It, is that because all the logic was just not not there? I'm like, okay, 
especially for a title match. I could understand it if it was a grudge match and the guy's like got every opportunity to leave the cage and stays to administer more punishment. But in a title match, you know, as soon as you got an opportunity, wouldn't you just run and just dash out the door? You know? Yeah. Especially if you're a bad guy. Kenny, what's your view on that? Well, it didn't bother me growing up so much. I mean, I was, yeah, a WWF guy growing up. Um, nowadays, I, I try not to, like five years ago, I would have been pretty cynical about it and, and maybe said, oh, you know, oh, I can't watch this. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, why do you think the WWF went with this way of ending a cage match? It's pretty unique to, you know, all the other territories. Yeah, did anyone like up in uh, Calgary? Did they did, did they do that version of cage matches? You know, at all? I I want to say there was a referee in there, but it's been so long, like right. literally twenty five years since I've seen a stampede cage match. I can't remember. Yeah, my- I didn't see any other ones until you know, in the nineties. Then I started to see the old NWA ones. I think so. I th- I mean I think that it really does make the cage match a different kind of spectacle, doesn't it? It means that you have to get up on the cage, um, and I mean I'm mainly thinking of the Hogan matches. There's a different kind of tension. Um, it never really pays off as 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 it should do in theory, if you know what I mean. But there's a different kind of tension with both men um, climbing up the cage, and they try to do different finishes, don't they? Where uh, you get the is it the Paul Orndorff uh, match where you get the split? Um, where, you sp- where you get the split decision when they jump on the floor? Yeah, and that's yeah. a great match. And then Hogan Boss Man on Saturday Night's main event is is a great match. There's a lot of fun ones. I love Bret Hart Owen Hart uh, SummerSlam '94. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I try not to be too logical about things like that anymore because I just want to enjoy my wrestling and not think too much. Because, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's it, Why would you want a match where the object is to run out of the cage? It doesn't make the hero look too, you know... Uh, Brave. Heroic, right? Brave, yeah. Although Hogan always had to go over the top and make a big uh, spectacle that he was, you know, too much of a hero to go through the door. He had to climb over the cage, you know, like a man. Yeah, no, well, I mean, more on that later, but I can actually understand why he had to go over the top because well i uh, we'll, we'll see why in a second um, um any any more comments on the on the wf style of cage match this is a good question to you russell <laughs> oh sorry uh-huh. sharon o'donnell <laughs> uh, <laughs> let, me, let, let me guess the, 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 these people writing the letters are about as real as the tournament in uh, rio de janeiro is that about right <laughs> these are all legit people johnny I can't believe you doubt the mailbag, man. Right, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, in again, get another letter here. Um, so this is from uh, Wet Plains, NY. It says, "Dear uh, Titans of Wrestling, really enjoy the show. Do you think? Uh, do you guys think Andre the Giant should have challenged Bob Backlund for the title, and would it have drawn that signed uh, Lester Bailey?" <laughs> Lester Bailey. <laughs> so. Uh, Andre versus Bob Backlund. Should that have happened? Would it have drawn? Um, no. Uh, it, it would have drawn, but what, are you saying should he, Andre have turned heel? Because that's the only way it could have possibly happened, and there was no way they were going to turn Andre a heel in in the, the 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Maybe in Japan it could have 
Yeah. Well, I mean, why couldn't Andre have turned heel? Do you reckon? It's too popular. Well, there's no a... there's no money in it. There's no money in it, and 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 he was touring. You know, he was the touring friendly giant. That was his. I mean, that made a ton of money. Yeah. A ton of money. And uh, when they turned him heel in '86, it was it was the right time. It was the end of his career. Yeah, and well, I mean, as I mentioned when I did the Andre bio, Vince Sr.'s idea was that if Andre stays in the territory for too long, the crowd gets burnt out on Andre. Mm-hmm. So you, you loan him out to all the territories, big payday for them, and then when he comes back, he'll pop the gate for you again when he comes back. Um, that's the And if you make Andre, well, if you put Andre in a title feud, I guess you lose that for a while. And then the, the biggest problem you have is that once you make him the champion... Who's going to beat him? Yeah, how are you ever going to get the belt off Andre again? So, yeah, Pete, you got any uh, views on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. It just wouldn't work. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys just explained it perfectly. Yeah, and you, you sure don't want a touring heel giant and stuff. So it just just wouldn't be the same. Yeah, dynamic. Of course, you could. And it's not like now, and even when if you turned him heel, the dynamic. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm sure it would have drawn. But I don't know if uh, the dynamic definitely would have been a lot different than like the Hogan, who's a super hero type character versus, you know, Bob Backlund, Howdy Doody, Richie Cunningham, everyday guy <laughs> uh, and stuff. So the dynamic definitely wouldn't have worked nearly as well as like the Hogan Andre well, dynamic. How about turning Backlund heel? Somehow. I don't know how you do it. No, is that, is that a completely no, no, ridiculous no. idea? No? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> not unless he wasn't champion anymore. Oh, yeah. So, sorry, Lester, that's not happening. <laughs> so, this is uh, only only a few more now. <laughs> this is from uh, Santiago. Uh, Dear Titans of Wrestling. Hey guys, love the show. No, no last name. Just. Oh, oh um, it, it, what state is? Uh, it's California, right? Uh, is that California, Santiago? San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. Right. It's in California, right? Now. Yes. <laughs> right. Sorry, are you guys uh, attacking my accent here. Cal Ripken. Dear Titans of Wrestling. Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken. Yeah, well. You know. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually uh, this is one you'll like, Johnny. It says, "Hey guys, love the show. One question." Is Johnny Sorrow single and available? He sounds sexy. That's from uh, Lisa Perez. Lisa Perez. Well, I, I like women with a fiery Latin temper, so yes. No, you, you can't play with a sword right now, buddy, because you might hurt somebody. Okay. So, so this is. Yes, for- I'm young. I'm young. I'm middle-aged, single, and love to mingle. Uh, I cyber better than uh, than uh, uh, than uh, Anthony Weiner. It's it's. <laughs> I'll get get this real quick. You know, and Jerry has no idea what we're talking about. You guys get this. I was driving through Denver the other day, and there was a, a in a strip mall. I saw it said "Coming Soon, Anthony's Wieners, New York Style Hot Dogs." <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, I, I had a uh, I had a nice hot dog when I was in New York last. I went to Coney Island and went to Nathan's. You guys ever been oh, there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh I yeah. Have. Yeah, nice, uh, nice hot dog there. Oh, all right, this is from Minneapolis. Uh, dear Titans of Wrestling, hey gang, love the show. <laughs> how do you, how do you guys think WWF compares to other territories from this time period? Love Betty Powers. So, at how much other territories have we even seen from 1979? 
I guess we've seen quite a bit in 1980, right? 79, not much. I've seen some Memphis Memphis from this time. Well, how does it compare to that, Johnny? Oh, Memphis is a lot better. <laughs> it's more well, it's more exciting. Right. It's still, yeah, it's it's definitely more exciting, but it's a, as far some, as far it's as more angle driven promotion, right? Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, I'm watching some Portland from the time right now. Mm. It it's different. I mean, it's it's a lot like Memphis actually, angle driven, um fast-paced, you know, lots of stuff happening. Yeah, we don't. We uh, some uh, some of the territories don't even have footage for this period, right? It's it's mm. kind of lost. Is the Georgia '79 stuff out there? I don't think so. Yeah, I think there's a bit. There's a little bit, right? Okay, yeah, it's, I it's, think most of the territories there's footage. By '79, there's um, pretty much footage of of all the major territories, I believe. Um, yeah, but well, I mean, I guess the main answer to this question is that for most people. 1979 WWF is kind of unexplored territory. So, if WF is unexplored, then you know the rest of the territories oh, yeah. are going to have to wait really until we get to them. Yeah. And you got to yeah. remember, I mean, people for a lot, a lot of these guys, the idea of like saving footage was like ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it was like right. Yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't have a lot of that Portland if I mean I know someone said this was a myth, but I like the story. You wouldn't have a lot of that Portland if Buddy Rose hadn't been an egomaniac and we the only guy in town who owned a VCR. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I don't know. That's the story I, I I've heard. So. It, it does I, sound I, true story. I think it is. I uh, I don't uh, doubt it. I don't want to say Meltzer wrote about it, but Meltzer <laughs> wrote about it. So I. Don't mm. know, I, don't I mean, he did. Rose is an egomaniac. I mean, again, I referenced <laughs> it. He did did a sock puck account so he could vote for his own tag team for greatest AWA. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a story. Well, <laughs> well, I think really- I think I, I think maybe I think maybe Williams said that it, it it wasn't true. So you know, so take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, but if you watch the footage, it's mostly Buddy Rose matches, like one after the next. <laughs> it, it's yeah. true. I mean, that, true. It, it, that's it's true. Just, it's all Buddy. So either it was Buddy or like a hardcore Buddy Ro- uh, Rose fan. He so, was the main guy in that territory, though, right? Yeah, true, but yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and then when you look at it, New York was the only WWF was the only territory really that had national, which was show headline. Put on television their their arena shows for the most part. I mean, no other right. territory was doing that well, yeah, in the seventies. But you, you got to remember that like, a lot of this stuff that we're watching was on some pr- pretty obscure, you know, MSG Network and the Spectrum shows. I mean, oh, what... spect- oh, MSG Network wasn't obscure. Well, I, how bit? I mean, was... how many? How, yeah, but how many like viewers? It was, did it was it have a New York station. It was like you know, predominantly a New York station. It but was a New York station. But it was on cable. See, it was on cable, and cable was new then. So it was. So as people got cable around the country, you know, I, I knew there's stories about people who got MSG like nowhere near the area. But there was Prism. Prism was a pay service. Prism, right? Yeah, that that had Spectrum shows. It was a. See, it was a back in the. It was, it was weird days where you had, there was stuff like Prism, and, and back in the day, HBO, you could get it without having cable. You had to have a special box for it. And Prism and was pre- like that. And really, I mean, they didn't. I mean, again, VCRs weren't predominant in the '70s. It became more popular, like in the like '82, '84 era, and that's when you start seeing more, more, more footage be, become available and stuff. 
right. Passing year, it gets its the footage becomes greater. Mm-hmm. So, so well, the, I guess the main answer is that it's difficult to compare this to other territories right at this time. I think once we get to 82, 83, we'll ask that question again, Betty Powers, and maybe we'll have an answer for Well, you. I'll tell you, I was watching the AWA stuff from, like, 1980, and uh, at yeah. times, I mean, the AWA stuff is a, a little more um, hardcore, for lack of a better term. It was, like, definitely like, crazy hot crowds and, like, brawling, and uh, and I've seen there's some world class from that time that none of it I care for, really. So <laughs> This is from Parkersburg, Wyoming. Dear Titans of Wrestling, I stumbled across this show when searching for where the big boys play. It's okay, I guess, but I can't get into this time period. Was the WWF so conservative with their booking in this time period because they had a massive population to draw from? Um, so there was no point in booking hotter angles. And that's from Jake Peterson. Yeah. Well, did you say there was some Parkerstown? Parkersburg, Wyoming. Parkersburg. Yeah, that was from something that started with a P-A-R, but I don't know if it's from <laughs> Parkerstown. <laughs> so, so, no, so, I mean, I guess the idea here is uh, from, from uh, Jake Peterson is that, um, <laughs> is that they basically aren't really going in for many interesting angles because they can, they've got like a, a guaranteed market there in MSG. They can count on 20,000 people every week. And the formula that they worked for their audience worked. I mean, Bruno slayed the monster. Pedro slayed the monster. Very rarely do you see smaller, talented workers working with a Bruno. You see mostly, like, you know, big guys like Patera, Koloff, Crusher Verdue, those those type of things. So, they, I mean, they stuck to their formula and it drew for them. So... I mean, if it's drawing, sometimes there's no really reason to change it, I guess. But and, I, and, there, and, there, and there were there were feuds and angles and such. Yeah. It's just that we're watching like the best matches right now. It's uh, or like the matches are, are representative of the time period, and uh, excuse me, not seeing a ton of the of the the angles uh, the angles leading up to. I mean, they had hot angles. Right. I mean, what was the weekly TV doing at this point? Was it still mostly jobber matches and things, or? Yeah. Yeah, from Allentown, with an occasional good match. Right. Okay. And and, but they did. I mean, we even even in the stuff we've seen, we 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 can see that they did do angles and things like uh, Valentine broke Strongbow's leg, for example. Yeah. And and most and most television, be it WWF or whatever. That most of their Saturday morning TV was like that. You know, a lot of people like, oh, WWF was all jobber matches. Uh, I used to when I was on Crockett. That was all jobber yeah. matches too, with just the yeah. occasional arena footage. And uh, yeah. I mean, Memphis was the, even had Memphis was the closest thing. It wasn't until Bill Watts started doing the, when Mid South started really getting getting spread around that you were seeing like you know an hour's worth of mainly you know good matches. And don't I mean don't I mean I know you're not a fan of World Class Johnny, but they were. Oh, I, love, I love World Class. I just didn't like it. Pre Von Eric Freebird feud. Okay, I mean because they're showing arena matches pretty much well, yeah. from what their television sure. is shot at. I just didn't like watching uh, the two guys in the mask every week. Oh, God. oh yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it is WWF didn't have a weekly stop like um, quite a few of the territories, right? They didn't have to book, um, you yeah, know, a lot of angles. No. Yeah. I, right. I, I remember listening to the. Well, I watched the uh, the guest booker with uh, 
uh, Greg Garnier. Okay, and I remember he was saying on there that the AWA only booked two angles a year. Yeah. <laughs> that was the, like the traditional uh, AWA style of booking is that they only needed to do two angles a year to um, to sell their kind of big houses. So, you know, it, it was kind of like maybe maybe they didn't need that many angles. Uh, maybe two angles with a lot of side angles that deviated off of it. I mean... Me thinks yeah. Greg might Greg Greg may be proof that Alzheimer's is hereditary because that <laughs> doesn't sound quite right to me. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I guess he meant like two like featured feuds or something at any given time, something something along those lines. Well, it's an exaggeration, but it's still there wasn't a lot of angles compared to to eighties and beyond wrestling anyway. Right. All right. Final question. Then you'll be grateful to hear. This is from Rooster Kentucky. Worst show ever. How can you guys sit there and say that Chief J Strongbow sucks? Strongbow is a legend. Get a clue and good day. Signed, Danny Green. <laughs> Any response I, to that? I agree with the, the imaginary guy. I mean, it's, it's Strongbow is a legend. Yeah. Um, among the Red Indians and stuff. Amongst the Red Indians. You know, you know what? You know, I, I'm, I was born in Kentucky, and there are a lot of people of Native American background still living there. So maybe it was from a different tribe. And uh... <laughs> well, what I'll say is, ignore these rumors that these uh, that these letters are not real. They are. And if you if you would like to be featured on Titans of Wrestling, send a postcard to Titan Towers, Connecticut, PO Box three one six. All right. Let's move on to the show itself. So, so we're in August 1979. Um, yeah, more mailbag next week. <laughs> the, le- the letters are real because he actually wrote them down on a piece of paper. So they're they're technically <laughs> real letters. They're yeah. real letters. They are real. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I mean that's the, the, if you want to give us feedback, the best way is to write to that address that I just gave you. Okay. So we're with. Pat Patterson now, who's the Intercontinental Champion, okay, <laughs> and he gives us a uh, he gives us a promo, um, and we're with Canary Yellow Vince, who's mm-hmm. with Grand Wizard, who uh, who tells us that there was a wrestling tournament uh, featured in Rio de Janeiro with guys coming from all over the world, uh, where Patterson beat said wrestlers from all over the world to win the Intercontinental Title to become the very first. IC champion. So Vince asked him, what happened to the North American title now? (laughs) Uh, So if you remember, he was feuding with DiBiase over the North American title. And Patterson says that being the Intercontinental champ uh, means more than even being the world champ because he had to beat 15 of the world's best wrestlers to do it in one night. (laughs) He said 20, actually. Did he say 20? The wizard said 20. Oh, the wizard said. 20. Oh, the wizard said twenty. Okay. Yeah, and Patterson said twenty. So after the wizard said it at twenty. <laughs> so right there, we that's a red flag that the tournament. No, no, so, well, no, because you know, because the wizard probably, you know, he got he got Pat's castoffs, so he got five guys. He got five guys to beat. <laughs> but, yeah, but remember, at this point, there was no, you know, Graham site to check. There was no uh, history of WWE to go and look up uh, whether he was lying or not. So, no internet. There was no internet, right? <laughs> so, I mean, the best. And the, mag- could... and the magazines went along with it, too. <laughs> and the so. magazines were all in on it, right? So, but Patterson says that uh, as far as the North American belt is concerned, he doesn't care what happens to it because he's up to bigger things now. 
And, uh, well, Patson put himself and the belt over pretty big here. And uh, just before he leaves, he says, they tell me you've got a lot of class, Vince. So why don't you shake my hand and congratulate me? Mm. And then Vince does, which I thought was pretty funny. It was a nice little... Uh, I also, I also like that Patterson goes, <laughs> when he asked about the North American value, he goes, maybe they'll have a tournament for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what, what did happen to the North American belt? They just ditched it at this point, did they? No, it actually, I was going to say, it did survive for a couple of years in Japan, actually, as a title. Oh. Um, Seiji Sakuraba. <laughs> okay. hilarious. Not only, do wrestlers, not only do wrestlers go to Japan to revitalize their careers, belts go, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, a wrestler named Seiji Sakaguchi won it on November 8th, 1979. It didn't specify how or where. All in Japan, but how he won it. Was it and then the title. It wasn't Rio. <laughs> and the title was retired, according to Wikipedia, on March 20th, 1981. Wow, that's, in, that's insane. I didn't know that. Yeah. So a North American belt was defended and became a Japan belt. Yeah, New Japan, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now it's no. It kind of makes sense when you realize. When you think about Anoki being such a mark for American recognition and all that. But just think about it. It's no more absurd than having the European title in WWE. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, uh, yeah, this was a pretty good promo. I think we all agree. Oh, yeah. Um, that was Yeah. I, I think Patterson's probably been the best promo of anyone so far. Do you agree with that? That we've seen? Yeah. Him or Blassie. Him or Blassie. Yeah. Blassie. Or Blassie. Yeah, yeah. Blassie. Really good too, or yeah. Albano. But I think we're going to see better <laughs> Albano. Albano. Yeah, maybe we haven't eventually. seen the best of Blue yet. Yeah. We haven't seen the and best of Albano. Wizard yet. really cut loose. I've always liked Wizard. I'm just waiting for him to cut loose. Yeah, yeah. He's been subdued. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, in my mind, it's like he's dying and he's just like, you know. Shoot a Bob Backlin, I break backs on holes, will look like Tony Braxton. Three man bout Tony Braxton, blowing our back out like Bob Backlin. I'm throwing wrestling holes, tag team with funk dot, we in funk mode. Take your best shot. I'm never slacking in my mackin'. Styles go back to the days of Bob Backlin. Catch him in the suit flex. Oh no, who's next? All right, so, um,. Moving uh, to the, well, look at this, 24th of September, that was yesterday, uh, 1979. So That's today. That's oh, pretty, for us. <laughs> pretty top, oh yeah, that was, uh, that was today for you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 24th of uh, September, 1979, Bob Backlund versus Pat Patterson in a cage. Uh, and this is, of course, Escape the Cage Rules. Uh, but it's the fence-style cage, not the, not the blue cage. Oh, yeah, they didn't have that yet. Uh, now, one thing I love about MSG shows is just how dark it is. It's just absolutely pitch black beyond that rig, isn't it? Up in the yeah. up in the sky and stuff. Gives these shows a particular feel, I think. Right, well, we've seen uh, several iterations of this match now. Uh, what do we think of this one? Oh, well, I'll ask you first, Johnny. Oh, well, this is the famous one. This is the one that when people say, well, how much Patterson have you seen? Or, or even sometimes, how much Backlund have you seen? They'll go, well, there's yeah. that, that that match. Because it was on their, uh, in, in the 80s, they released a History of the World Championship tape. And they had, you know, and they this this was the match they had on there for Backlund. And 
and so a lot of people have seen it. It's really good. I don't think, I, it's like I said, the escape the cage rules suck, but they make the best of it here. I'll give them that. And uh, there's then they bleed. So and it's it's a good match. I, I just think the the, uh, the 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 previous ones from MSG uh, were better. Yeah. Or at least that first one definitely. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, it's good. I mean, uh, they got the crimson mask. You know, they definitely you know hate each other, and they're both working their asses off around that stipulation. So it's it's really good. It, it, it's I can't say it's a revelation or anything. So I was like, oh, okay, of all the stuff on this that I'm going, oh, I haven't seen this since I was a kid, or I've never seen this. That's the thing I've seen like a ton of times. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, uh, Kelly. Yeah, I guess we should mention that uh, it's a joined in progress match. Yeah, which yeah. I'm kind of yeah wondering. There must be a full version of it out there somewhere. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I thought the ending stretch was really really good, um, and the crowd was just on their feet the whole the whole time pretty much. Um, this would have been probably still one of the first cage matches ever at Madison Square Garden. They'd only um, 1975, Bruno and Ivan Kolo. After that, um, yeah, uh, it, it tied in the story of the previous matches with Patterson using the the knuckle dusters or the brass knuckles at the end, right? And huge pop at the end for the finish. And I thought Patterson sold defeat really well, right? Like he was just mm. totally uh, pissed off that he lost. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, for a joint in progress match, it was, uh, pretty damn good. Did, do you know if that Bruno Ivan match was, uh, worked to escape the cage style as well? Yeah, it was. It's it was. not a good match. If you've seen it, it's Bruno kicking Koloff's ass for 10 minutes and then he turns around and leaves the cage and <laughs> Ivan's in a bloody heap. I mean, it's good. He's if you the like the treatment. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, and he, he, uh, Bruno had a match with Stan Hansen the next year in a cage that's pretty much exactly the same. Oh, so he just leaves Hansen in a heap on the floor as well? In the yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. No! Oh, man, <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Oh, yeah, well, it's it's not, uh, you know, a classic. Uh, Pete? I enjoyed the match, but it again, it uh, it, it pales in comparison to the first one, which is was a classic. But there is some cool stuff in the match, like like Patterson, the way he's hanging from the top of the cage by one leg. Some of the stuff, kind yeah. of the spot puts him in, and he, Patterson just seems fearless in the way he puts himself in all these weird positions where it looks like he could kill himself and stuff. Uh, you know, the, the joint in progress was bothersome, but really what bothered me even more was there was like a clip in the middle of it where oh, we yeah. all of a sudden Backlund's bleeding, so we don't know uh, what happened. I'm assuming he got knocked in the cage or something uh, yeah. since the cage match. I liked how they're both on their knees and they're like throwing bombs at one e- each other and stuff. But to me, this is more. Th- I thought this was a pretty much a case of Patterson actually carrying Backlund uh, in a cage match. And I mean, I've heard Patterson talking about it on a roundtable and Gerald Briscoe, and they pretty much said Patterson carried him pretty much in this match. And he kind of came across that way and on, on what, what was shown and stuff. Yeah. What, what, what uh, round table was that? Uh, Pete, but can you I have it on a DVD. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they were, t- I don't remember what it was. I, I, 
uh, maybe I can find Budget out for it at a later time. Sure. Uh, well, I have a couple of uh, little notes. I, I thought Patson did a lot of logical sneaky heel stuff here. Like, whenever he had a chance, he'd be trying to escape the cage. And I think that that is exactly what heel would do, you know, of his mentality. He'd like any spare moment. He, there he was, trying to get over. Um, there was a moment where he started attacking Backlund's cut. Looked pretty vicious doing that. Um, and generally, I thought he was good in this match. Hello? Ah. Um, oh, I'm back. You're right? Yeah, you're there, Kelly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't think we even lost you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so, uh, so, so what happens at the end of this match here? Backlund hits a big atomic drop, okay? And then, get this, he escapes through the door. Uh, through the door? <laughs> what sort of uh, cheap, pathetic, loserous way to win is that? <laughs> through the door? <laughs> so, like, the guy is afraid of heights. <laughs> last, last time we saw Backlund go back to the locker room to put a bandage on his head, and this time he's winning by going through the door. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, it, going over the top was rare. It's something they yeah. tease. It's something they tease. But usually guys won by going through the door. But yeah. you, like, you can understand why back, why Hogan insisted on going over the top when you see this, though. I mean, it's pretty anticlimactic, isn't it? He went through well, the door. Hogan's first year and a half as champ, he would go through the door. Would he? It was, yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't until the blue cage, I think, was brought in that he started. It, yeah. Because Hogan because... couldn't climb the... <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody could. Well, some people could climb. Did they did they actually bring in the blue cage because Hogan couldn't climb it? I mean, because nobody could climb it. <laughs> that's what I that's what I always thought. That's what Melter wrote. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, as as a finish, it's not my favorite. And he he's he's kind of dead through there as well. He's like he gets he just falls through the door and foot slides down the stairs. Did you see that? Oh yeah, that's that that's that's the cell, man. That's the cell of a. Guys going through the door, and I mean, if you just walked out, that would look kind of lame. It was always guys like sliding out or crawling yeah, out, man. or the fa- yeah. the famous one is, you know, finally the, the the bad guy's pulling on his foot, and the good guy kicks the bad guy in the face, and the bad guy rolls out the or the good guy rolls out the door to the to to win. That that was how they did it. That was basically the finish for this one. Uh, my my note is that this match pales in comparison with the first uh, match between these two. That's my actually, that's a, that's a talking point, which I'm beginning to think. It seems like the first match and a lot of these matches are uh, the hot match, and they kind of get worse and uh, not horribly worse, but get worse and worse. I thought like Strongbow and Valentine, their first match was the best one of the thing. I personally thought the Valentine Backlund hour draw was their best match, but I mean, you guys disagree mm-hmm. with me on that one. And then I think the Patterson uh, Backlund first match was better than anything they've done in the feud. Yeah, yeah sure. and that first uh, Patterson DBRC match was pretty hot too. That too. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a good point there, uh, Pete. Um, and uh, well, it'd be interesting to see whether that continues going uh, going through these shows. Any anybody rate this match above the other two? No. Or well, no. I can't really I think remember. I rated above the previous one. Yeah, I think I've been at the same level. Is I think I've like eight and a quarter stars. Three stars, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the, the first one was just so good. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's hard to the live up to. first one is an all-time. Yeah. It, first it, one's all-time. Just to give us an idea, if you were forced to give a star rating on this, where, where would you go? 
Who? Well, I said three stars, <laughs> three and a quarter. Three, three and a quarter. Two for you, Johnny, did you say? No. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I hate. I, I suck at that, so I don't. You, I just you, don't do you, it. You don't agree? You have the star ratings? Okay. I'm not a star. I guy you either. know, I, I just you know, you know, I think it's silly, but I, I get it. You know, and I, but it doesn't work for me because it just. I, I just say, you know, the first one was an all-time classic, and the second two we saw were both very good. I mean, that was a good cage match. I mean, I've seen a lot worse than that in my life. Oh, yeah. But it just. It's just compared to that first one, it's just such a classic. Yeah. Yo, I slayed them seeds back in the rec room era. My style broke motherfucking backs like him for terror. So take your clothes off, the track is so soft. A little rock turn them into Ivan Koloff. We too hard to hold on. One arm slam you like Nikolai Volkov. When plasmatic, I freak beat slam it like Iron Sheik. Right, so, so, so the next match uh, now, and uh, well, brace yourselves, it's Chief J. Strongbow. This is the same MSG card. This is Nikolai Volkov. And I'll tell you, when Strongbow was announced, I booed at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, did you, I think he got some boos in the crowd, too. Did, did you notice, uh, as this match was starting, there was an awesome New York cop standing in front of the railings watching the crowd? And uh, I just wrote in my notes here that I bet he's seen off a few donuts in his time. Did you see that guy? <laughs> I, I enjoyed that cop. Um and Vince mentions that the NWA world title holder, Harley Race, may be appearing at MSG soon. <laughs> so, uh, any notes here? I just, I've just written that Strongbow was his usual spastic self. Kelly? Uh, well, yeah. You could tell, like, you could see the fans like, noticeably leaving <laughs> during the match. And, um, you know, what would be the worst comp ever would be um, MSG curfew draws. <laughs> <laughs> Even worse than... Cicluna versus Dominic Danucci. Because, um, yeah, this was nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Yeah, yeah that, was just like, that was one of those, okay. It was like, okay, draw, go home. Yeah. Now, I actually popped at the draw because I was so happy it came <laughs> in. It was mess. I was like, yes! <laughs> what a yeah. shit vi- a brick of a match. Jeez. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Now, does Strongbow ever stop doing his war dance? Like, is there any moment in his life where he's not war dancing at some point? Like, we've seen that no, he does it at the store. He does it at the <laughs> store when he's shopping, and he and he sees and he and he sees that the milk is you know ten cents more than it was the week before. He starts shaking and going up to the dairy manager. <laughs> you know, if they if he has a coupon that expired a week ago and they tell him he can't use it, he starts. Shaking and ready to go. So now, see, see the the the, the, curf- the curfew thing can work if they're smart enough to work it into into the match. Because I mean, there's a great um, Morocco Rocky Johnson match from the Spectrum uh, when uh, Morocco was Intercontinental mm-hmm. t- Champ, where it ends with Rocky's got the sleeper on the Morocco right. and they're dropping the arm, and yeah. everyone thinks there's a title change, and they go. <laughs> You know, the, the curfew has run out. And it was like, oh, it was a giant kick in the balls. But it worked. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh. But, yeah, that one was just like, okay, match is over. Everyone get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'll just describe this match briefly. Uh, Volkov's offense consists mainly of stomps. Strongbow sells them by shaking. Uh, he gets Strongbow in a bear hug. Uh, 
Strongbow sells it by shaking. Um, and Vince on commentary seems to be writing Strongbow off quite a bit. He was like, ah, oh, he's going to lose this match, basically. Um, and then Volkov uh, is doing some clubbing blows on Strongbow. And uh, Strongbow cuts him off with, wait for it, an eye poke. What an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Even when he's a baby face, he's a total prick. Um, and then the bell goes for a draw. Yeah, but what ha- look at what happened to his people, man. Okay? <laughs> Smallpox on blankets. And just I mean, give the guy an eye poke. Christ so, so this uh, this was a talking point for last show. Last show, Bruno absolutely destroyed uh, Volkov, and this show he can't even beat Strongbow. So what's going on? Like he's he is definitely on his way out now, right? He's de- well, he's a, he's got one foot out of the door at this point when he's not beating to be, Chase. <laughs> when to he's be not... fair, Strongbow never lost either, though. Yeah, yeah. Strongbow is positioned as the number two face for the for a lot of the for his tenure there. Volkov was positioned as like. 25th heel on the roster or something. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, when you see Volkov, when you see Volkov at this time, and you know, compared to what everyone remembers him as, you know, circa WrestleMania 1, you know, and you looked at his like upper body, man, he was cut. I mean, he was yeah. he, he was huge, he's jacked a, guy. He's a big guy, right? He's like, he's, but he's tall. Not good enough yeah. to be built from Russia yet. I mean, because they have Ivan, so they can't exactly have two Russians running around. Yeah, they still have him from uh, Mongolia, right? Mongolia, yeah. Yeah. That well-known communist stronghold. (laughs) Um, I don't know much about uh, Mongolia, actually, apart from sheep outnumber people there. Just like in my home uh, country of Wales. Um, (laughs) Do you do a vocal? There's really not much else to say. (laughs) I can sing the song. Uh, Yeah, I can sing the song. I can see you doing a vocal, and I just haven't heard one. I say, 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 <laughs> One, two, three. Hey, you could get me in a large package. <laughs> so, okay. so moving on, twentieth of October. <laughs> how can how can anything follow that? So, Bruno Sammartino. The first wrestling, the first on the first wrestling a- album, he saw uh, he uh, he sang Caramia, and it's actually very it's not bad. He's like Caramia, Lord. <laughs> what Bruno? Yeah, Volkov Bruno. And yeah. I admit it, it's a wig. Bruno Vine. Vine. <laughs> yes. Finally admitted. Um, this is from the Philadelphia Spectrum. Uh, so that means our ring announcer is Gary Michael Capetta. Our referee is uh, Dick Worley. And I tell you, if, yep. you've seen that, if you've seen that TNT, he is one boring bastard. Dick Worley. Um, and um, on... That's count Dick Worley. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see that in a second. And uh, who's the Spectrum guy in commentary again? Is it D- Dick Graham? Dick Graham. Cal Rudman. Oh, yeah. Or Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken. <laughs> Cal Ripken. And uh, I'm, Vince is there too. Okay. So, um, well, Dick Graham comes later. You can tell. Well, I, I, I swear to God that many, many youngsters and, and possibly Paulie were in Philly watching this match because 
I, at one point, I wanted to start going, EC Dub, EC Dub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Pete, let's, uh, let's go with you first on this one. Oh, thanks. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I again. I thought there there were the three matches a little better than their original match. So I guess that uh, I don't know. Uh, Bruno just guzzles them to start. There was real no transition to Volkov getting his heat. It was really just punchy kick stuff. I will say Bruno was over. Then we have that screw job finish that even the uh, uh, the even the commentators are laughing like, "What's that ref counting that?" Eye gouging horribleness. <laughs> it came, oh, Bruno was awesome. That that match that match inspired ECW right there, man. Bruno grabbed the goddamn ring bell right in front of Dick Worley and smashes Volkov in the head with the ring bell. Which which now you look back later, you realize that he was such a hypocrite when he got mad at Randy Savage. For dropping it on Steamboat's throat. <laughs> Are you great... proud of yourself? Are you proud of yourself? You slime? <laughs> you slime, you? You slime? Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, just let, let me just describe this finish here. Volkov grabs the bell. He tries to hit Bruno with it. No DQ. Bruno gets control of the bell. Absolutely lays off, lays out Volkov with it. No DQ. And then Dick Woody gives us the fastest count I've ever seen, ever, ever, ever. That it's like literally one, two, three. Um, and uh, I mean, where's Jesse Ventura when you need him? This is the most corrupt officiating I've ever seen. And was, then he, was he, I didn't see the finish of the pay-per-view with Daniel Bryan. Was the fast? Does this count as quick as that or faster? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. Um, At least Dick Worley's consistent. That's his count, man. That was his cadence. You work around his count. <laughs> um, Vin- Vince tries to cover for him on commentary because he says something like, uh, um, "He's did, did, didn't he say that he's trying to make up for earlier? That there was some match that happened earlier on that he's making up for? Yeah. Something like that. Um, so <laughs> this, this match is pretty much the definition of uh, punchy kicky. Also quite stompy, I've written in my notes here. Um, but is that necessarily a bad thing? Like, I, I quite liked all the running kicks and stomps uh, from Bruno. That, that, and... that, was the three, that, that was the three dwarves left out of uh, Snow White. Uh, and so punchy, kicky. punchy, kicky, and stompy. Is there any kind of silver lining to this match? Is there any bits of it that were good, do you think? Or is it just... Total right I off. liked it. I thought cause the crowd was off the charts, uh, hot for it. So, yeah, I mean, Volkov got tiny. Volkov got a tiny bit more <laughs> offensively this time round. I mean, yeah, he, he, like he had any in the previous match. He got Zippo in last time. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was more or less destroyed by Bruno yet again, though. So there we go. Um, and that's it for Volkov now. I don't think I've seen. I, I've looked, and I don't think he comes up again for some time. So good. <laughs> Um, any more notes on this? It was, uh, no. you know, it was what it was. <laughs> so, so. Twenty second of October now. Uh, we got the tag champions. The Valiants. They forgot on. the boxer introducing of the yeah. boxer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, so, yo, answers, yeah. First of all, it's a mistake. <laughs> Nikki and mispronounces one of their names. <laughs> Nikki, yeah. Perez, Nikki Perez taking on Wilfredo Gomez. Uh, both boxers. They're introduced. And uh, was it just me or did the um, MSG crowd completely no sell these guys? <laughs> they like they got no ovation at all. Why is the super bantamweight title? I don't, I don't know. That was important. Yeah, yeah you know, these, these, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it was a great fight. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, this was That's like a match coming this weekend between Perez and Gomez, right? Uh, There's definitely some undercard fight, but I bet you that fight was, I bet you that fight was better than whatever a heavyweight fight was headlining that card. I'll guarantee that, man. You get yeah, you get probably. two skinny Me- you get two skinny Mexicans in 1979 <laughs> in a ring. They're gonna beat the dog shit out of each other. So I, I should have did some research and found out who won that fight. Actually, yeah. oh well. Where are our bios for Nikki Perez and Wolf? <laughs> Sorry, I, I, chose I don't. Them. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. But fashion lost <laughs> when you look at yeah. what they were wearing. I, I guess. <laughs> I guess this would be a good time as any to bring up the conversation we've been having recently about boxer versus wrestler. Who wins? <laughs> I, I tell you, if it's Bruno versus one of these dweebs, I'm giving it to Bruno. <laughs> you can take both of them. Hey. Uh, you know, I don't know. Bruno comes charging in like, and one of those motherfuckers goes, pat, 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 pat. You know, 60 punches in his face in two seconds. Bruno's going down like a big a big plate of, a, you know, a big plate of, of, of pasta. <laughs> I, I, I lost it. I don't know what I don't know what I was I meant to say there. It was a long day of killing bugs. One one uh, <laughs> one bear hug, one bear hug. How does he get the bear hug on him? You got that some boxer <laughs> moving around, shuffling his feet when he's going, Rawr! why aren't you cooperating with me? Pat, 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 right in your head. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> okay. What about Putsky versus Perez? What do, how, do you, how do you call that one? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's... Um... Let's uh, go to this match now. Uh, Putsky and Santana get a big ovation. Um, and they're taking on the Valiants. They're getting on. They're taking on the Valiants for the titles. Well, compared to what the boxers uh, got, this was a massive ovation. And then, uh, obviously, it's uh, Johnny and Jerry. And it occurred to me when I was writing these notes, uh, Johnny, that if you and I had a tag team, that, yeah, that yeah. wouldn't be a bad one, Johnny and Jerry. Um, <laughs> my, my only note here is that Jerry is looking a little bit porky these days. Um, so, Johnny, what did you think of this? I loved it. Uh, I thought this was great. And boy, again, you you, you know, anyone who t- tries to tell you that Ivan Putsky wasn't over like a motherfucker. <laughs> you see those people in the crowd going crazy? <laughs> Poor him just That one guy was just punching the air like a madman <laughs> whenever Putsky was on offense. Now, either he was on PCP or he's really an Ivan Putsky. So... You know, and you I, put the two I, together, it'd be great. I still think, though, Johnny, that his arms are too short for his body. Oh, he, oh he, totally. he's the world's largest midget. He's the world's <laughs> largest <laughs> midget. <It's... laughs> yeah, well... Uh, but, uh, but, no, I love it. Uh, uh, Ivan, he's so over. The Valiants are just great. I love this match. It's a title change. Uh, and, and, and there was enough chicanery at the end. That, like, are they going to reverse this somehow? Oh, no, they don't. And it was great. The best was Johnny Valiant at the end after they announced that, you know, the new you know, tag team champion. 
and uh, and the microphone goes back up, and Johnny Vine's like jumping up in the air trying to grab at the microphone so he can bring it back <laughs> yeah, down, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. and and say, "No, no!" <laughs> <laughs> it's just fantastic, and the crowd is off the charts hot. People are going crazy in the stands. Uh, Putsky and Santana are just super. They're just super over baby faces, and the Valiants are just hated. And they worked a great match. Like I said, the Valiants are the, one of the revelations of what we're doing here. Uh, I just loved it. Loved every bit of it. Kelly? Yeah, it was fun. Um, I wonder what happened to Lou, though. What Does anyone know what the falling out uh, between the Valiants and Albano was? Oh, Something good, happened. Good spot there, Kelly. Well, no, but Vince noted it that there was. A... Vince mentioned it. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. it probably happened but on he the probably... TV. Yeah, probably on TV or you know, because he, he'd always switch from like, the one tag team to another. Yeah, he, yeah, maybe uh, the Samoans came in around this time, right? So maybe that was. Yeah, that would be my. That would be my. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I, I I saw this match years ago. It was on the the Coliseum, the tag team champion Coliseum tape. That's so. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And um, and. <laughs> The ending with the bell ringing super early and multiple times, uh, you know, that was that happens actually quite a lot in the MSG matches. I don't know. Is it because the time guy has has been told when the finish is supposed to happen? I don't know. Because they were ringing. It was ringing quite a bit. And then they were doing like a complicated crisscross <laughs> finish spot at the end with the bell ringing in the background. And they must have been thinking, fuck, uh, we're trying to get this down, man. Stop ringing the bell. All right. Uh, yeah, so, but yeah, it was good. It was good. Fun stuff. Pete? I, I don't have the rose-colored glasses on that these guys have. <laughs> I, uh, I, it was okay uh, at best. I actually would say it's uh, bad. Uh, but I, but they, oh. they had some spots in the match. I, I thought you know, I thought it was cool that Tito was getting the rub from Putsky, uh, since we know mm-hmm. eventually he'll become a pretty good big player in the WWF in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I the shine segment with Putsky and the bear hug was like boring as all get out. Like I mean I can't think of a worse shine segment than the, the bear hug. Um, actually multiple bear hugs. Uh, I thought the Tito and the Jerry Valley exchanges looked really cool with the 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 head scissor takeovers and stuff, and I thought that was pretty neat. Um, then we get the Valiants busting out some nerve holds. Um, again, I'm not a fan of nerve holds, even if, unless there's like, maybe a, I can justify it if it's a Samoan doing it, but not the Valiants. Uh, but now I did dig the, uh, okay. But now we have Putsky gets the hot tag and that was not exciting at all either. Again, we go back into bear hugs, but the finish was really cool with the crisscross stooge spot, which like the midnight express were really masters of the Valiants did a really good job there. And stuff, but uh, yeah, as a match, I didn't care for it very much at all. <laughs> Do you know what I loved there, Pete? As you were as you were talking, I just heard Johnny in the background, uh, like, give like a little sigh of pain, and it sounded like he'd been punched in the gut. <laughs> I enjoyed that. No, I really no, I just, that, Johnny. <laughs> I, I just, I was just, I was just thinking, yeah, you know. You don't like Christmas either, do you? <laughs> puppy, puppies, and apple pie. Not you, sir. No. Yeah, I I also thought it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, there was a bit, there was a little spot that I didn't like where uh, Tito had Jerry Valiant in a, in that head scissors, and uh, he just let him tag. That was a pretty stupid move. Why did he just let him tag when he had the when he had the man down? Bad tactics. 
from uh, Tito. I didn't enjoy that. Um, he did. He did look great doing the arm drags, as he would always do later in his career. Um, I thought Johnny grabbing Tito's tights when he was staggering back was pretty cool. Do you know? Do you notice that a little bit? Um, and uh, I actually thought the the bell ringing stuff at the end actually led into like I genuinely didn't know what was going to happen here. Um, it actually added to the finish for me because I had no yeah, idea. I thought it was going to be like some sort of dusty. I mean, it may have been accidental, but I thought we were going to get like a. Well, dusty... that's what I was saying. I thought maybe there was going to be some sort of screw job, and then it wasn't. So yeah. No. And by the way, I know I mentioned this before, but in this one, in this one, Vic, T- I mean, Vic Tabak, Jerry especially looks like Vic Tabak in a wig in this match. I mean, dead ringer. <laughs> Vic Tabak, kids, Google is your friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so um, I'm a teenager friend. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. one, one thing I was really hoping for, I was hoping that I was hoping that um, Jimmy Valiant would be there ringing the bell. I was hoping it would be like a real, a real cool dastardly heel move for him to be ringing, but uh, he didn't. In fact, the only guy I can remember doing that is um, JJ Dillon. JJ Dillon has a match where he rings the bell early and it confuses everyone that's one of the coolest spots and it's not used very often can you remember anyone doing that like ringing the bell early oh, i remember it i just don't remember who yeah, yeah. i'm trying to think too um i know it, i know what happened during i know what happened during attitude era wwf i remember that being yeah. a part of an ending to something or another yeah but there's there's a jj dylan match from like late 88 i think where uh well a horseman match where dylan does that um, but, uh, yeah, is there anyone better? You hear Johnny's impression at, uh, Howard Finkel calling a title switch. I think he's the best at calling title switches. Would you yeah. agree? <laughs> um, yeah. yes. Uh, yes. And, uh, did you notice that when Johnny got on the mic, he, um, called all this a bunch of crap <laughs> because the legal <laughs> man was not like, what happened there? The legal man wasn't pilled, pinned. Um, but, so they yeah. feel that they shouldn't have lost the title. Yeah. Trust me. Trust me, the legal man was pilled, I'm sure, <laughs> in New York City in 1979. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and it, and it being Johnny V, of course. Uh, yeah, so uh, Johnny's upset because uh, like the legal man was outside and the, the wrong man was pinned. The referees had a mare here, uh, in my opinion, but then the referee seems to have a mare every single match in WWF in 1979. <laughs> I mean, they're just openly biased towards the faces, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay. Uh, split uh, decision on that match, I, I think. Although I'm probably leaning, I'm leaning a little bit more towards uh, Pete. I'm afraid to say, Johnny. Um, th- th- that said, I mean, I, I thought Putski was horrible. I'll, I'll just say that I thought Putski's portion of the match was poor, uh, despite how over he was. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I, always, uh, I don't care what these people going crazy think. I don't. I, 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 I genuinely don't. I mean, they're idiots, right? I mean, so. I get it. No, I get it. I get it. it when people go, I can't believe Titanic made that much money. It was a shitty movie. But in wrestling, if you can make a crowd connection like that where people just believe in you, I think that's that, that's just as important as whether or not you can do a suplex. Yeah, but like, okay, right. Do you remember Mick Foley's cheap pop? Do you remember that little spot he did where he'd come and he'd name the town and he'd always yeah. cheap pop? Right, okay. Now, I mean, doesn't that prove that it's not that difficult to get a big reaction out of a crowd? No, because that was, that was you know why? Because that was ironic. That was like, there was, there was a whole like wink, wink irony 
uh, to that. All, you know? all right, but like Polish man goes over with Polish people isn't like it's not like well, it's, it's, it's not like it's wait, wait, it's not like Madison Square Garden is, is filled with people with the last name of, with ski at the end. It's it's the, the man. The man was super popular. I mean, yeah, did, no, no I, can't it, I can't deny it. I can't deny it. was. He was super over, but amongst you know the PWO crowd, it's just when you're when you're looking for match recommendations, you can understand why uh, you know he gets oh, no I, sold I, or I, no. Oh yeah, PWO crowd, wrestling crowd. Besides the Johnny Sorrow crowd, <laughs> yeah, I guess most of the crowd. Is it possible that Johnny Sorrow is the man on earth who's the highest on Ivan Putski? It's possible, I reckon. I just enjoy. I mean, like, I'm not gonna tell you that you know, you have to see this five star Ivan Putski. <laughs> you know, I think that one was pretty. Uh, it was good. I I always enjoy I enjoyed that because because it, it, it was a title change and the crowd was off the charts and Putski was just full of energy and Tito was a great baby face and the Valiants were shitty douchebag heels and you know had everything I like in wrestling. It, it no, definitely... I'm not gonna tell you. I'm not gonna tell you. Boy, you should have seen this technical masterpiece with Ivan Putski. It... You know. It definitely would make his highlight reel, I'd say. His career highlight reel. Oh, yeah. This match would make it. Yeah. Okay. Andy Kaufman in the wrestling match. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. Yes. How do you say it? This was amazing. It's not yeah. with Vince. This was a little bit unexpected. Not totally on the list. Surprising. Not on the listings. Um, and uh, Vince says to uh, Kaufman, he says... You, you do wrestling on your own, as a matter of fact, but mostly with the ladies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andy now says, um, he argues that no woman can beat a man. They are only capable of washing the dishes and being yep. in the kitchen. And he says, cracking up. <laughs> he says he'll give, uh, he'll, he'll give a woman $500 if, he can pin, if, uh, if she can pin him. Mm-hmm. Um, then he calls out Diana Nyad, a woman who yeah. swam from Florida to Cuba, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. who has declined his challenge. And uh, he reckons she's scared because she knows she'll get beaten. Um, and, uh, he, he, that was such a topical reference. Right? I know. <laughs> here's the neat thing about here's the neat thing that, about this being on here and everything about it because I'm the Mem- I'm, Memphis is my thing, and I, the, the Andy Lawler feud is my thing. Uh, the story always was, you know, that Andy wanted to get involved in wrestling and contacted people in New York, and Vince McMahon Sr. said no. And then Bill After got him in touch with Jerry Lawler, which is all true. But there's no mention ever of him being at ringside at a Madison Square Garden show doing a promo with Vince. That's unheard of. This blew my mind. And and he keeps it babyface. He's calm and... No, he's not doing his like, the shtick where <laughs> well, he's baby, like, baby face, Johnny. He is. He, is, he, he is. is. No, have you seen the Memphis stuff <laughs> where they talk about women? Yeah, he's full on. You know why men are better? Because we have the brains. <laughs> women are just stupid, and, and you know this one. He was just very matter of fact. He's just very matter of fact, and. You know, well, well, yeah, you I know, suddenly healed it towards the end and stuff. I mean, well, it was that's definitely... why it was kind of like wink, wink. It it yeah. wasn't over the top. It, it, it wasn't that Memphis style of you know, or the, the, where he wrestles the fat woman by his pool and yeah. starts beating the <laughs> shit out of her, and Bob Zamuda has to pull him off and all that. You know, it, it, it was so different. And I, I'm like, where did he find this footage? 
No one's ever talked about this ever. This, that, yeah, I, mean, I think it's a, yeah, it's a really it's a really interesting footnote in the Memphis history of that thing because you don't ever hear about him showing up on New York television doing a promo challenging women. It just sounded like he pitched the idea to Vince Sr. and got shot shit down and Bill after brought him to Memphis. Right. Yeah. But he was a New Yorker. He grew up going to the matches at MSG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I knew about some of this because uh, going through Cawthon's site, I-, I noticed a few times it was mentioned Andy Kaufman was at ringside with Deborah Harry Andy Kaufman. I think I must have read about this one before because I remember reading about an interview he did with Vince at ringside. Um, but this is cool, wow. yeah, because this was what two, two, three, no, three years before the Memphis angle. So yeah, that's yeah. another thing. This years before the Memphis angle. Yeah, yeah. It blew my mind too. Uh, Diana Nyad, people, what's the deal yeah. here? Why is he calling out this woman? Um, because at the time she was in the news in '79 for swimming. I, I, I looked this up. I, I had to know. Uh, from the Bahamas to Florida, apparently. <laughs> the same month or the month before. And then uh, last month in 2013, she swam from Cuba to Florida. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, that's right. Yeah, that's I why that. I said it was a topical reference. because. Well, she did that right. this year. It happened. Yeah. In, yeah. yeah it was, <laughs> did you hear about that? Because it was famous because she's the first yeah, person no, to I swim without uh, being in a shark cage. Yeah. That was that woman, right? Oh, yeah, no, that yeah. Made I, I know, that. she's 60-something now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, I, I'm guessing that match never took place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, took place in, it took place in the shark it's cage. On, it's on the next, <laughs> yeah. Well, Chief J. Strongbow wrestled um, someone in a shark cage. You guys ever seen that match? Oh, God, I have. From Detroit. <laughs> it's I awesome, have. actually. Was he, uh, so was he shaking? Good. I bet he was shaking. Oh, yeah, he makes his comeback in the cage, too. That's the best thing. It's awesome. It's on YouTube. You should look it up. Don Kent, I think, is who he's wrestling. I'll so, post oh, it on okay. PWO. It's, 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 you have to see it. Because it was during the summer of uh, Jaws, when Jaws came out. So they thought <laughs> to capitalize on the popularity of Jaws, they'd have a shark cage match. And it's, it's so stupid. It's so this bad. is Don good. Kent Ruse, right? What's that? Yeah, from the He's kangaroos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah right. It's it was a Detroit from Detroit. Okay. Yeah, you, you know I always mention that old uh, '60s Batman series. My one of my favorite moments is when Batman punches the shark in the face. <laughs> Do you remember that? It's that plastic yeah, shark. Yeah. Uh, After he used his bat shark, shark repellent. repellent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, just before we move on from this, uh, we talked about boxer versus wrestler, Andy Kaufman versus Diana Nyad. Who you who you calling there for the win? In 1979, not in 2013, obviously. Kaufman. You got Kaufman? He's the man, man, of course. He was undefeated against women. He was undefeated, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think think Nyad's definitely got the stamina on him, for example. 56 minutes, but Andy pulls it out in the end. (laughs) That's what I heard he used to do with the horrors. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I set you up for that one, Chad. <laughs> so, uh, of course Andy would win. You know why Andy would win? He's a man, and women are just genetically <laughs> inferior to men. I mean, this is a fact. <clears throat> it's a scientific fact. So, <laughs> yeah. And women are to get, to this podcast either. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, women that. doing wrestling podcasts, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Johnny Sorrow heel turn. <laughs> um, 
So let's move. It, it, it'd work if we had any chicks hanging out of PWO, but there is one. Jimmy Jimmy Redman is a girl, so maybe she'll oh, really? call you out, Johnny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, well, there are female wrestling fans because you heard it from the mailbag. A lot of those people were. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob Backlund now is uh, defending his world title against none other than. Swede Hansen coming out of nowhere. Um, somebody we haven't seen before, so I have a bio here. Uh, so brace yourselves, uh, chaps. The Swede Hansen bio. Okay. He was born in 1933, and uh, he was a brutish type from a young age. He was an amateur boxer first and had an aspiration to turn pro. But according to his daughter, he didn't because he got too big, because he was six foot five and almost 300 pounds. Uh, professional wrestling promoter Willie Gillensburg discovered Hansen and convinced him to compete in wrestling. He trained with George Tragos and debuted in Capital Wrestling, now of course World Wrestling uh, Entertainment, in Patterson, New Jersey against Miguel Therese in 1957. He was sent to Pittsburgh to compete while he continued develop, uh, to develop his skills and while he was there uh, he wrestled against Bruno Sammartino in Sammartino's debut match. He was later hired by Jim Crockett um, and moved to the Carolinas. And it was in the Carolinas that he found his greatest success, of course, teaming with Rip Hawk to form the Blonde Bombers. Now, there's one story that on, uh, on one particular Crockett show, uh, George Becker and Johnny Weaver were presented with a radio that had been given to them by their fan club. And Rip Hawk walked over and smashed the radio to bits. And uh, the best thing about that story is that Becker and Weaver didn't know that this was going to happen. So they were genuinely just shocked that he, that he went over and did this. And according to uh, Stephen Johnson and Greg Oliver, the ranks of fans were traumatized by this. Uh, now, a, fa- a, fan in the, a fan in the crowd that day was, was somebody called S.W. Rock Riddle. Anyone heard of him? Yeah. Other Flintstones. S no S <laughs> Rock Riddle. Okay. Yeah, S W Rock Riddle witnessed this and he thought it was the coolest thing that he'd ever seen. So he decided to start his own fan club for Hawk and Hansen called Fair, Square, Modest and Honest. The group eventually had several hundred members, uh, and the blessing, the official blessing of the bombers themselves. So there you go, kids, they were even heel fans back then. Um during appearances Fans would throw acid or threaten uh, the Blonde Bombers with knives and guns. In one attack, Hansen was stabbed in the leg and required 72 stitches. This happened in Lynchburg, Virginia, when he was taking on somebody called Billy Two Rivers. Uh, he, was, uh, he, he was a Native American gimmick. Yes. On another show, <laughs> Rip Hawk... <laughs> right, so get this. On another show, this was... Uh, Rip Hawk crept along the floor of the WRAL studio in Raleigh and set the sportcaster's script ablaze while he was on air. So he just set the script on fire. Um, uh, this is according to Bob Coddle, who says uh, that they were pretty funny guys outside of the ring and Rip Hawk was always pulling ribs of that nature. They stayed together for, they stayed together for uh, 16 years. They spent 12 years in mid-Atlantic, then uh, spent some time in uh, Florida, Texas, Japan, and Australia. 
Um, in Crockett, they were mostly files to George Becker, plus whoever was his partner. Uh, obviously, Johnny Weaver, the most notable of them. Rip Hawk was much smaller than Sweet Hansen. He was about 5'9 and uh, 240 pounds, and he was the technician of the two. He was more of a kind of sneaky conniver type, and um, obviously Hansen was like the bruiser. Uh, Rip Hawk was known as the profile, and he did most, if not all, of the talking, where Hansen was the big, silent, tough behind him. There's a story in which uh, the young Ric Flair flirted with the girlfriend of a mafia member, and uh, apparently Swede, uh, Hansen, and Rip Hawk used their friendship with the mafia to help Flair escape from being ki- killed in revenge. So believe that if you want. Um, <laughs> Hawk and Hansen can be credited with popularizing the idea of quick tags in and out. The idea, um, the idea behind the quick tags in and out was the fact that they were kind of bending the rules to their advantage in order to get heat. So even though these tags were in front of the ref, they were, they were legal. Apparently it drove fans crazy that they were, you know, tagging in and out all the time. In 1974, um, the hard-living Hansen suffered a heart attack and had to take time away from wrestling. And health issues afflicted him for the remainder of his later years. Now, I've got some discrepancy on that, because according to Wikipedia, it's 1971. But the Oliver and Johnson book has 1974, so I don't know which one it is. Um, later on, in Amarillo, they tagged uh, some in about 77, uh, 1976-77 period. And then Hansen had his final run in the WWF as a redneck-style undercard worker, which is exactly what we see here. So, any additional Swede Hansen stuff from anyone? Have I covered the basics there? Well, um, when Ric Flair first came to the Carolinas in 1974, he, the first thing he was put into was the, the feud between Hawk and Hansen after they broke up. And, and Flair uh, uh, became a tag team partner with Rip Hawk against Hansen and... I want to say Tiger Conway, I think his name was. Anyway, that was Flair's um, intro into the Carolinas, was being uh, in that field. Yeah, and it's, in, it's interesting he was put into that spot because my impression reading the bio there, and also I had a quick look at the Rip Hawk bio, the other Rick Hawk, Rip Hawk bio that I've got here, is that Rip Hawk seemed to be like a, almost like a prototype Ric Flair type, uh, type worker. Um, and I mean, he's currently on the ballot for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame and seems a stronger candidate as any that I can see there, um, from what I can see. Um, yeah. I mean, if you just think that, like, if they were really one of the first teams to do the quick tagging in and out, I mean, I don't know if they were, but by all accounts, they kind of innovated that. You know, that's become a real staple of the tag, of tag wrestling. And the, the other thing about those two is that um, if you look at all of the other teams of the 60s and the early 70s, that blonde bomber gimmick was kind of copied again and again and again wasn't it i mean you can even see like um pat patterson still even now in 1979 is modeling himself on that look that hawk and hansen uh, kind of first pioneered uh, well, the the grams the grams did it for did it yeah first. the grams yeah yeah I, I, but patterson and stevens in san francisco were billed as the blonde bombers around the same time but were the, 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 the Golden the, Grahams, man. Were, were, were the Grahams heels? Yeah. Yep. They were heels? All oh, right, okay. okay or just well. George started the, the blonde yeah, thing. Yeah, pretty think. much. Yeah. Okay. So this is far more interesting than this match, by the way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's keep talking about the hairstyles. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, you were telling me, you were, you were telling me that, 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 that the fans used to throw acid. 
Adam, you have yeah. to be on acid <laughs> to enjoy this match. To... Oh, no. That'd be a bad trip, for sure. Well, I mean, what, what <laughs> Oh, yeah. Backlund versus Hanson. Jesus. Um, so, <laughs> let me just quickly run down what actually happens in this match. Uh, tell me if I miss anything, right? Tell me if I miss anything. Don't uh, forget the bear hug. Hansen, bear hug. Hansen oh, bear gets hug. on the mic, right? Um, and he says, every every time I walk in this arena, I want you standing, says Hansen. And um, he's dressed like a cowboy here. He almost looks like a, kind of like a shit Stan Hansen here, okay? He's being managed by Freddie Blassie, the Hollywood fashion plate. And, of course, uh, Backlund has the golden boy, Arland uh, Scarland in his corner. I will tell you this, dude. Not many cowboys wear a Confederate flag on the back of their fucking jacket. <laughs> yeah, he's more of a hillbilly type. He has, a, he has brown hair and a moustache. Uh, and he looks like kind of ancient. His skin is like rim- wrinkled and flabby. He is ancient. He is ancient, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you, you can do the math. So, what, 1933 he was born. So, what was he, like 40-something at this point? 80. Uh, I can't do math, so I'm just saying. Um, what happens? Uh, okay, so... Nothing. Nothing happens. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, my first note is that I said Hansen looks like he's working reasonably stiffly here, um, and then he quickly goes into a crappy-looking bear hug that shows off. Uh, <laughs> my notes say that shows off Backlund's robust rear end in all, <laughs> yeah. in all That's its. That's the best shape- part of the match. Yeah. <laughs> in all its shapeliness. So I thought of you. The <laughs> best, part, best part of the match is like is, you know I'm not gay, but Backlund's got a great ass. Uh, <laughs> so th- I mean, better this- than RVDs. Oh, it's it's close one. <laughs> this bear hug just goes on forever, doesn't it? Forever and ever and ever. Dude, Swede sucks as much as Stan rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is this the longest bear hug of all time? Has anyone seen a longer bear hug than this? Dude, bears. Bears bears hate this bear hug. It's, it's... <laughs> I mean, it, it's a good seven, eight minutes, but it feels like 20. Um Every time Backlund breaks it, Hanson goes back to it. Finally, in my notes, in my notes, really, in my notes, I said the match is 16 minutes, 20 second long, and with 15 of it being the fucking bear hug. <laughs> yeah. Um, finally, it's broken and they crisscross. Backlund does a leg drop, and then he goes to a chin lock. Uh, he can't quite get it, so then he hammers on uh, Hanson's head on the canvas. That looked pretty nasty, but. All in all, this was a pretty ter- terrible match. Terrible match. Oh, the, the ref and the ref. I mean, what the fuck was that shirt? <laughs> I mean, I mean, number one, he looked like an Italian Oompa Loompa who's in a barbershop quartet. It just, <laughs> he's like, you know, hello, good night, ladies, good night, ladies. <laughs> like, Ugh. Uh, dude, I actually have in my notes here. Holy shit, Swede sucks. That's <laughs> that's it. That's in that, right there. Uh, now, like. <laughs> I only I know it was only about forty five seconds that we saw him do anything but a bear hug, but um, I thought he looked like reasonably okay in that first thirty seconds, considering how old and flabby and horrible he was. Yeah, when he when he dropped the knee to Backlund's back, I thought that looked okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he that, couldn't get up and set up the fifteen minute bear hug. <laughs> what do you think happened here? Do you think he just got blown up and that was it? So that's all I'm going to do now, kid. A bear hug. Kid, champ, champ. <laughs> you Awful. would think in like Sorry. the biggest match, this was probably like the arguably the biggest match of his career, right? Main eventing at MSG, 
and he yeah. comes out and just shits the bed totally. It, I mean, Vince, Vince on commentary was really talking it up as like, you know, finally the moment where it's all coming together for Sweet Hanson. But uh, yeah, yeah that, that's called irony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sarcasm. Right. Did anyone? Uh... Dude, the, the ref couldn't. Dude, that little fat ref, who's the shape of a meatball, moved so fast to <laughs> fucking hit the three count and jump yeah. in position to end this debacle. The... Is this the worst match we've seen? It's one of them. Uh, it's up there. It's a... Yeah. I think it's the worst Backlund match I've ever seen. Yeah. From yeah. this this period or from his so, run. So just as we were talking before um, before coming on air, Pete. You were saying um, that you think that possibly Flair could have dragged a decent match out of, or at least a yeah, watchable match Flair out of Hanson. Bounced off on Bished and Stooged, yeah. interacted with the crowd. I think Flair could have probably pulled like a two and a half star match out of him. Does, does, <laughs> does anyone else agree with that? Well, maybe if, if you had, if you, if, if, if Swede was working hulking babyface with, you know, and the guy, the heel was bouncing off of him, yeah, maybe, but. Uh, not when the champion is the all-American boy wrestler. No, yeah. no. I mean, w- w- one of the things I thought to myself watching this is that I still don't think we've seen a backland carry job. Um, is that something we need to see from him? Just to, like, we've seen him work great matches against great opponents, but have we seen a carry job from him yet? We haven't. No, I don't. Oh, think him so. carrying someone else? Yeah, mm-hmm. him carrying someone else. No, I think when we get to the Morocco matches, I think he does a good job working holds and making Morocco look pretty damn good because I don't think Morocco's that great. Johnny, I know that's a sore spot with you. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just did a podcast the other day with, where me and Will, and Will is one of my closest friends, not just online, but in real life. You know, you know, his family has, has spent time in my home, and we got into it over the fucking Morocco uh, <laughs> argument. So I'm not, I'm not touching it right now. We'll get to it yeah. later. We'll get, we'll get two, to years, it, yeah. two years in the future. But I, I quite like the little uh, Pete Johnny rivalry uh, emerging on this show. <laughs> so, I'm just, oh, sorry. Just, just, just put it this way: when your gimmick is that you're a lazy beach bum, you should wrestle like a lazy beach bum. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That is some pretty good explanation there, Johnny. <laughs> okay, but uh, would you agree that in order to put Backlund up there as a truly great worker, we need to see him carry someone sooner or later, whether it's Morocco or someone else? Would you agree with that, Johnny? I don't know. Could you say he carried um, Iron Sheik? Hossein the Arab? Yeah, I, I think he definitely was leading that match. Yeah, yeah. I'll say that. I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, all right. Iron Sheik wasn't terrible at this point, though. But no, yeah. no, he was great, but he was being led through that by Bob Backlund. Yeah, that's the closest to a carry job I reckon we've seen from him. Okay, okay. All right, so um, next match on this. This is a pretty stacked oh, no, card. Hey, do you mind if I throw a couple more cents on this match real quick? Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, just a couple funny things I found funny. One, when uh, when uh, Swede does his speech about everyone stand up, you, if you watch Kaufman, he like he stands up. <laughs> he goes, I didn't he see that. Up, That's like, great. <laughs> that damn heel got me. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I, I have to go and look at that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I missed it. The fact that Blassie's managing a guy from the Carolinas, uh, the evil empire, I guess, from New York, I guess, Carolinas, is like a foreign menace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And then I liked how uh, was actually playing to the crowd and playing to Backlund, trying to get like seem like he's trying to get another rematch. And it's like, dude, you got ten clean to the sheet. You ain't getting no other. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> one and done. Yep. Yeah. Well, if you give us that match, it's one and done. Surely, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> All right. So I... even the ringside photographers look bored during this mm-hmm. one. <laughs> Give they stopped Bruno, taking pictures. Let's Bruno kick him no, out of the no, territory. The ringside <laughs> photographers were letting Mel, Mel Phillips give them back rubs. I mean, <laughs> bad, man. So if James was here, I was I was going to ask James, like, why did he put this on the why did he put this on the set? But it's got to be because of the Kaufman thing, right? It's because the the uh, that little segment leads into this match. I reckon that's the only reason he put it on here. No, I think he's put every Backland MSG match on, it, I believe. Just so we can what see the, all his title defenses? What, I think so. What's cool is James is doing, like, and here's the best. He's doing a snapshot of the era, which is... Yeah. Uh, yeah getting a snapshot of the territory. Yeah. You got to have the bad with the good. No, absolutely. To make the good look even better. Even better. All right, so... Let's let's move on on this. Uh, MS- this yes, is a pretty stacked. Because the next match rules. This is a pretty stacked yeah. uh, card here, and now we have a quite interesting matchup: Bruno Sammartino versus Greg Valentine um, in the kind of second of the double main event feature. And um, well, quite an interesting match because we see Bruno mix it up a little bit. And I'll go to you first, Johnny. I loved this for for all of the Bruno. Punch kick, you know, Volkov. Uh, this kicked ass. It was so much fun <laughs> watching Bruno work against Greg the Hammer Valentine and sell for him. You know, I mean, I'm sure someone would say, "Oh well, Bruno got carried." No, no. no. Bruno yeah. respected Bruno respected Valentine as a worker enough to sell his shit and yeah. make it look good. Like it needed to, but you know, but I mean, here's Bruno, the living legend, who goes in there and kills Nikolai Volkov by looking at him too hard, and and he's getting his ass beat by Valentine throughout this, and uh, it was back and forth. Uh, let me let me get my notes out here. I didn't even, you know, I barely, uh, I barely wrote notes because I got so into it. I got so into this match. Uh, just loved it, it was all oh, the stiffness. I mean, Valentine was stiffing Bruno, and Bruno wasn't, like, getting pissed off. He was taking it and giving it right back. Uh, I didn't like that they ended it on cuts. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's something that used to happen. So, it was like, eh, you know, it's, I, just, it's just something that used to happen. And I, I wrote in my I notes, Johnny, what, what is this Maryland crap, is what I wrote. <laughs> Because they used to do that, especially especially because Valentine was such an over young heel that you didn't want him getting squashed by Bruno or even pinned by Bruno. Yeah. And you're not going to have Bruno look bad and lose. So they got to come up with an ending. They got to come up with a finish. And back then, you, they matches ended on cuts. It just is what it, it, it not just in WWF. Uh, it happened all the time. Uh, it, 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 it was always inconsistent. <laughs> you know, mm. Matches only ended yeah. on cuts when it was when it was convenient for matches to yeah. end on cuts. Yeah, Great American Bash '88. I mean, we, we even saw it all yeah. the way up to that. You know, yeah, Lug- yeah. Star- Lug- Starcade '84. 
the main event. Right. It, it, yeah. It, it, Dusty Rhodes, you know, Leon, not Leon Spanks, Joe Frazier, Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. Yeah, I can't do Joe Frazier, but I can do Ali saying Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. (laughs) And it's a match against Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes on cuts. Don't he know? Don't that gorilla know that Dusty Rhodes bleeds? (laughs) So, uh... I use gorilla only because that is what Ali called him. It was very controversial. controversial. So, uh, Kelly, this one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the ending, it was good, I, I, it, but it just, it felt like it was really just ready to kick into like another level when, when the match was stopped. And so, yeah, it was a letdown, but yeah, the selling, like, I don't think I've ever seen San Martino sell his, like a body part before and he was and he sold the leg yeah and i think you know they really must have saw something in greg because he's obviously on another level than the other heels that come in and out of the territory right because first he got to work backland for a few months and then he had a feud with strongbow and now he's working bruno and not losing um so Yeah. yeah valentine in 79 was obviously like one of the top guys yeah. Uh, it's, this would have been, it was fun. It was fun, especially like Johnny said, coming after Bruno's, you know, kicking Volkov's ass and, and we're seeing sort of the same Bruno match over and over again. This was, this was something different and I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure almost hundred percent sure there isn't another San Martino Valentine match. And this was just sort of a one-off deal because these guys could have had like a, like a build three match thing culminating in a cage that probably would have been really cool yeah yeah well, i'm just looking now i'd love to see some uh valentine versus uh ted at this point but i don't think it happens oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't i don't i think ted's on his way soon right yeah he yeah. is yeah, uh pete i i like this match too um i thought bruno and valentine they really had good chemistry together Bruno working that arm. That was some really fun stuff there. Like that whirly bird hammer lock. I don't know how to exactly yeah, describe, yeah, yeah, yeah. describe it, but that thing was awesome. I mean, Bruno yeah. was work, putting the arm around the ropes and dropping a knee on the arm on the shoulder and then hammer, you know, uh, you know, being a smart worker he is he eats a shoulder into the turnbuckle and then Bruno's like throwing punches onto the shoulder. I mean, that was really good, good stuff. And then when Valentine was in control, you see him going after the leg and that half Boston crab on the bad limb was really, really good. Mm. And then you have just some other typical Valentine work on the leg, which has just looked real crisp and stuff. And then Bruno selling it, showing, showing another side of his character. I thought that was really cool. Um, it just led to that, you know, that that shit finish. But I was also wondering what the fuck the ref was doing, uh, pushing the ropes away. <laughs> I know that. I know that one. I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because because it's uh, for uh, for a long I was because I was because he used to drive me nuts when Tommy Young would kick Nikita's. You know. No, well, th- th- this this came up, Johnny, because uh, th- Chad and I went on and on about it. Cause, uh, we, we right, talk- it, it was that the rule is actually you're not supposed to be able, or at least back then, but- you're not supposed to grab the roads to break a, uh, break a pinfall. You're 
or yeah. get out of something. You're, you're, if your body lands outside the plane of the ring, then it doesn't count or some shit like that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like almost like a heel ref. I mean, heel manager on the floor pulling the ropes away, so he couldn't get into nah. him. It just, it's God. Well, did you see the size of that guy? He looked like Charlie Callis. You know, he's like, <laughs> you know, he's 120 pounds soaking wet. Did, did you, you know, notice that Vince on commentary though said, uh, "I can't say that's the thing for any referee to do." When, yeah, when he yeah because the... you know, because I think Vince, I think Vince, while in commentary, you know, while he was still gaining control of everything, was noticing the stuff that he was going to get rid of when he <laughs> yeah. was running the show completely. That's too southern. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that, that 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 reminds me. By the way, do you think um, every single day um, Vince went to uh, Vince Senior's office and said, "Dad, can we have Andy Kaufman in the territory?" <laughs> every single day, Dad, can we have Andy Kaufman, please? <laughs> no, son, it's not right. Nah, I, I think I think he just Kaufman, bided his time. Who would have Kaufman feuded with if he he went to New York instead of Memphis? Chief Jason. No, he wanted to do women. He wanted to do the woman gimmick. Moolah. Moolah? <laughs> Backland eventually would have been the one or something. I don't know. No, no, but... because he had to be talked into doing something with Lawler. Uh, oh, really? He just wanted, yeah, because he just wanted to do the women gimmick. Uh, oh. And Lawler had to talk him into it, saying, hey, Andy, you know, we should do something more with this. And he's oh. wanted to talk him into it, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know. I have to say that as, as kind of gimmicks go, I want to beat up women is one of the best ones of all time. <laughs> I want to prove the men are better than women by beating up women. Well, he doesn't beat them up. He wrestles them. That's just it. He never punches them. Until, you know, by his pull side when he was kicking the fat one. But, you know. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to this match. Um, And it was shoot. When he would get girls up on stage, he'd shoot pin them. You know, so. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I thought... uh, this was a hell of a lot more scientific than the other Bruno matches that we've seen. And uh, as uh, everybody's mentioned here, I thought the fact that he, I mean, he consistently targeted Valentine's left arm. <clears throat> and then uh, he was really aggressive going after it. Like, you know, all the different stuff he did to the left arm there. Really cool. Um, then he took a massive bump to the outside. which is probably the biggest bump we've seen Bruno take. Um then Valentine worked the leg. So that we kind of had a story developing, and quite a neat little story of the leg versus the arm. You know, decent storytelling. Um, and then I liked the Bruno switch to the right arm. Do you notice that? So he was taking out both the hammers, as it were. Like he was taking out both the left arm and the right arm. Yeah, I thought he just got confused and was punching that right arm by mistake, but I might have been wrong. No, well, I mean, Vince picked up on it on commentary. And, uh, well, I mean, whether he got confused or not, it's quite a neat story to tell that he was taking out both of the arms um and then uh, well like everyone else said it kind of got cut off just as it was get, getting going this uh yeah. this match but yeah i thought this was really good i really yeah, but what you it. got what you got was great and, yeah. uh, and that's how it had to it, you know they had to come up with some kind of screwball ending so everyone could keep their heat really good yeah i agree i thought it was a really good match i would love to see bruno be able to combine those styles like work the the technical stuff early and then maybe lead to a hot brawling finish and stuff with his punch kick stuff which he does really well it would i actually thought pete that even though he was being like more scientific in commas that the the work on the left arm is still pretty brawly vicious yeah yeah i agree um no i I enjoy i enjoyed uh technical Bruno and uh, 
I mean, we'd all would we all agree that this wasn't a carry job by Greg, or or do you think it was? No, 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 it wasn't. No. I, but I, I think Bruno showed that he could bring him when he wanted to in this match. Yeah, it's just that he didn't have to for a long time because he was know. so. I, yeah. I think he he was he was just really game for this match. You could tell though. Oh, yeah. you could tell. I mean, really, you could, it, it's like for those of us who sit and watch this shit like religiously, you can tell when a guy is like you know really respects another guy yeah. and 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 changes his style that's easy and gets over because yeah. bruno's you know at this point in bruno's career this is towards the end you know he just had to go out and kick you know kick nikolai volkov in the balls and hit him in the head with a fucking bell and everyone's gonna go crazy <laughs> but for greg valentine he goes out there and works a goddamn great match yeah. you know because he respected him i love that and and probably a lot of respect for johnny valentine right Person, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I thought everyone hated him. <laughs> well, as a person, maybe, but I think as a worker, he was always considered mm. pretty good. No, it, it, I, uh, and, and you know, pretty good rub for Greg here. I mean, he, oh, totally. He, uh, oh, yeah, he got beaten, but he looked good in the match, right? So, yeah, he gets, <laughs> he gets, he gets to say Bruno San Martino never beat, never me. beat me, right? He didn't get pinned yeah. or something. Right. Yeah, look at Han- look at Valentine. I mean, he he in between like seventy nine and like eighty five, eighty four, he got to work like all the champions like Flair, Bruno, Backlund, Hogan, Savage. I mean, he had uh, he had an opportunity. I mean, how many guys can say that when you really yeah. before the you know the Nitro stuff? Even pre seventy nine, he worked Briscoe. I know that for sure during Briscoe. Yeah, you, you know it's even Chad, more. Yeah. Yeah. No. Don't- uh, Greg at this point is really good. He he's got to be up there with the best uh, workers in the U.S. at least. And and, and when we're yeah. talking about you know Bruno really uh, you know really working hard in this match, is how many opportunities does Bruno have to really work with a great great worker? When you think Not about wrestling, you know. So that's a great point that he's getting to work yeah. with, you know, a great worker. Like I said, who he respects. But, you know, that he wants to show that, you know, the old man still got it. Yeah, that's yeah a great he wants point. to say, hey, do it. I can go. Yeah, okay. That's Let's uh, so, Harley rape his shoulder for the sweat. That's a lie. <laughs> Speaking of uh, great workers now, we have Jimmy Valiant taking on Dusty Rhodes. Uh, uh, they are great workers. <laughs> two of the greatest. Hey, I wasn't, you know, take it whichever way you want. I am used to hearing about, you know, some bullshit about Jimmy Valiant, so just... <laughs> well, uh, ironically, as this uh, match uh, starts, Vince calls Dusty the Boogie Woogie Man. You notice that? Yeah. Yeah, it did. That was a little bit of, uh, you know, interesting foreshadowing. Um, now, facially, Jimmy Valiant at this point to me, doesn't look a million miles away from Kevin Nash. Did anyone else think that? I, I thought he looked, you know, a little bit similar. No. How dare you, you sir? Say, I, got that, <laughs> I just got that Memphis book with that Cornette and Mark James wrote about the souvenir oh, stand. Yeah. And the picture on there, Valiant, I thought, man, he looks like Kevin Nash with the beard. He had a little side profile with like, like, uh, like a, I don't know what, he, what Nash has, like a I don't know, but I thought they look exactly like minus the blonde versus the black hair. Yeah, no, I, I think they they they, they look similar. Um, Except for one was handsome Jimmy, and one was Diesel. Exactly. So, so, so just before we get into this, uh, I like I like I, I actually really like Kevin Nash. I just yeah, I'm, I'm selling for the for the marks. 
just before we get into this, okay, the one note I've got is that at one point in this match, Vince says that Dusty gives Valiant a little pat on the fanny, okay? Now, <laughs> I, I know what fanny refers to in the in the States, okay? But do you guys know what it means here in the UK? Not a clue. <laughs> I used to, but I don't recall. No. So a, a fanny here in the UK is a um, uh, a, uh, a a crude term for a uh, a woman's private parts. <laughs> I, I love how you say that, dude. You, you're just you're like you you, you almost couldn't get through it. Just say it. Just say pussy. Just say pussy. Get it out. Get it so, out. so whenever whenever it comes up on anything, Ooh. it's a it's a it's always a real kind of um, yeah. It's just one of those things. The the the, the other thing like that is that yeah, believe um, me, nobody says that anymore. <laughs> Nobody has, If you heard someone say, "I'm gonna spank you on your fanny," that person is 87 years old. Okay. Uh, well, Vince said it here in 1979. Yeah, I know uh, it's weird. He also used, he'd say keister too. No one says keister anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a little pat on the fanny, just uh, you know, it's oh, of, a little pat on the. It's just one of those uh, kind of. Jolting moments, you know, if you're right. Uh, oh, it's jolting for us too because it's like, <laughs> did he just say fanny? Yeah, no one says that. The other little thing I'll mention, okay, is that um, I don't know why, but some some Americans like uh, when they're trying to do you know that Dick Van Dyke thing and uh, you know to pretend like they're English, or whatever. They, they'll 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 use the word like wanker as if it's kind of um, okay. as if it's. I've kind... never heard Dick Van Dyke say. <laughs> no, but like. I don't know. Occasionally, I I hear uh, Americans do like impressions of uh, English people, and they'll 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 throw out wanker as if it's some kind of like quaint, you know, little quaint thing that British people say. But that, that's also like a you know fairly proper swear swear word. No, as well, no, you know, no, so. no. People the people know what that means. People know what that means. And, and, it's, and it's, you... been picked, it's been picked up because people on the internet from England uh, go get on and go. Bob Backlund looks like a total wanker, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, we know what that means. Good, good, good. You were making a Mary Poppins reference, Parv? Yeah, I know. Mary Poppins, really? <laughs> well, isn't that how you Hi, see? Hi, Mary. Isn't, okay, isn't that so how it's you guys see? It's holiday with Mary. She's a total wanker. Yes, she is. <laughs> but isn't that how you guys see, uh, see the UK? As, as one big, one big Mary Poppins. I wish, otherwise, because because I know the reality. It's just or like terrible. a or like a, a socialist a, nightmare. Some some film with a uh, Hugh Grant stuttering his way through through it. Hooking I know. Up. I always watch MI Five or Spooks, as you guys call it in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I vision it. All right. I watch Doctor Who. I just I just love the fact that you know in the Doctor Who universe, everything important in the world happens in England. It's such a big wank off. <laughs> there you go. He's got all that, of. He's, he's dude, got... Dude, I, I am more. I'm more willing to believe that there's an alien who travels around in a time machine than I am that England is the center of everything that goes on in the world uh, in this day and age. So. It's just one of those things, you know. He's got all of time and space to travel, but he just so happens to choose to hang out with people from London. I love terrible <laughs> food. All right, let's move. <laughs> let's move on. Okay, okay, let's go, let's go. Back with Andre the Giant, Mr. 
relevance of fiction must You'll be just another one bit the dust We already know the ropes, we be stepping over ropes Andre the Giant looking down at you local folks Call me Big John Stud, my middle name Mud Dirty water flow, too much for you thugs uh. I'm like Superfly Snooker Know how to hook a hooker, quarter on looker uh, Dusty Rhodes, Jimmy Valiant yes. Dusty wins with a big elbow Kelly? Um, let's see. Well, I mean, it was it was pretty short. Uh, not I didn't really make too many notes. Uh, it was mostly like kind of like a comedy match, right? With the spots they were doing. Um, Dusty, I mean, the crowd loves Dusty's jive shtick. Um, and yeah, basically, I, I noted that Jimmy ate the pinfall uh, clean, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. So that that is a signal that uh, he's probably not staying around too much longer, and I don't think he was. Neither was um, Dusty. <laughs> well, Dusty came and went, right? He mm-hmm. um, he would do... Uh, I think it was noted uh, by Finkel at the beginning that after a, you know extended absence, the American Dream is back or something right at the beginning. So Dusty would you know come in for a few months and then go away and then come back. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like Andre, basically, yes, right? Yes, because he was still uh, doing WWF shows up until 83, um, every once in a while. So Dusty sure. comes and goes. And how big a star was Dusty at this point in New York? Oh, it, it's always talked about. Huge. Uh, big? Huge. Huge, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, con- considering now, on this MSG car, they've given us a Backlund match, a Bruno match, now a Dusty yeah. match. I mean, it's a pretty mm-hmm. big card. And a, and, a t- and a tag team title switch. Massive. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dusty. Dusty got at this point got, got the fun. I mean, in '77, yeah, he was in there against Graham for the title. But you're, you're right, Dusty would show up, show up as an attraction, and uh, for everyone goes, oh, he's too southern. <laughs> Dusty was over everywhere he went at this point, yeah. and uh, they loved him in New York. I mean, the magazines were everywhere, and Dusty was on the front page, front cover of every magazine. It's yeah. like every other month, you know, everyone loved Dusty. Yeah, I'll be right back. I would say, I would say Dusty was second only to Andre at this time overall in the states, probably as a babyface. Um, yeah, he was a huge star, like at the peak of his uh, stardom at this point, pretty much. So, so and Florida TV was available in uh, New York, the New York area at this time. With what all of the Valiants done at this point? Because I mean, they've just dropped the titles. Uh, Jimmy yeah. Valiant is basically being used as a you know fodder for roads here um and i i'm just looking at the listings they seem to be gone by the next month so is that it yeah especially after the separation from albino i'm sure that's the kiss of death when you lose your manager as a heel yeah this is the last we'll see of them other than uh on the next disc they're in um the 20-man battle royal on the next disc oh man i'm gutted no more i know no more gentleman jerry no Oh, wow. Um, Pete, what do you make of this one? Uh, I mean, it was short. I would have preferred them to go longer because I do like both of their shtick. Uh, like, I recently saw a Jimmy Valiant match against Lawler on one of the yearbooks that they put out, and I, I was just like, loving every second of it. It was just <laughs> tremendous shtick. And I was hoping with both of them, who are both masters of shtick, that we would we would have had a lot more, been a lot more entertaining. But, you know, it was what it was. But I will say I am a mark for the stardust trunks of uh, mm-hmm. Dusty's. And I love that the ref was just eating up Dusty's little shuck and jive at the beginning. 
Yeah. yeah, and Jimmy Valiant wasn't the Boogie Woogie Man yet, so no. Yeah, Johnny, are you going to miss the Valiants? Because uh, they're off here. Uh, you know, I was, I would have told you before we start doing this that Jimmy Valiant was the only one that was any good, and the rest of them, and uh, I was wrong, and I will miss them. I'll, I'll miss Johnny Valiant's neat little stand-up comedy. <laughs> Stuff you like singing the Rocky theme in Philly and trying to grab the mic. I mean, the guy's hilarious, and uh, and I'll miss Jerry Valiant being a revelation. So, yeah. Anything? Uh, anything to say about this particular match, Johnny? Uh, I just thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, and I do gotta go, man. Uh, I know we lost uh, Kelly. There's one match left. But I, I do got to go. Oh, so I've tagged out, and it's a good thing because I, I never took notes for uh, the next match. All <laughs> I had was uh, – I really did. It ended with Jimmy Valiant and Dusty. I think that my head exploded that my two favorite wrestlers had a match together. And uh, <laughs> I didn't take notes on the next one. So I got I to gotta tag out, guys, uh, because I'm also getting called upstairs about something that's uh, – nothing we want to talk about. So, uh, All right, Johnny. Well, see you next time. Okay, thanks a lot. Guys, it was also a blast, just like always. Great. Later on, buddy. Yeah. I did think when I, when this match came up in the listings that Dusty Rhodes with Jimmy Valiant is the most Johnny Sorrow match I've ever, I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I stout like Dibiase, fuck that Liberace, pro-ex Versace, somebody stop me. A nigga cold, I'm New York, I'm upstate, Lord, I think I'm Ted Dibiase. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to the to the final match then. Uh, and to talk about stat card, Pat Patterson versus Teddy Biasi now for the IC title. Um, you know, loaded up. Uh, so, Pete, I'll go with you first. Yeah, um, it was uh, it was solid, but again, I thought it was like the worst one of the series. So yeah. the, the feud, the the feud kind of and sputters out pretty much. But you know, uh, Patterson starts just does, does some stalling to start, which is you know got got some heat through the garden. Uh, DiBiase did some good, solid arm work, and they used a lot of the same elements of the previous meetings. Uh, but again, it's just it's kind of like Sayonara Teddy, and just you know, it's kind of just anticlimactic, I guess. Yeah, well, uh, uh, a couple couple of little things to note at the start of this uh, that I should have mentioned. Um, fans of Titan, Titans of Wrestling might notice that the bit of audio in the intro to the show from Howard Finkel. It's from the start of this match. Oh, yeah. Uh, as is the little snippet from Vince. So, uh, that's the match it's from. And uh, also, Vince talks to Carl Rudman. Carl Rudman. Uh, who's doing a magazine piece about album covers coming out soon. And he'll be introducing the band... For- <laughs> he'll be uh, introducing the band Foreigner. Fans of those? Foreigner's got some good songs in the late 70s. 
I can't think of a single one of them off the top of my head. I'll see if I can this find a really Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. All the seventies references are gone now. <laughs> we'll find Johnny's, uh, you know, like the biggest fan of Cal Rudman and Foreigner. Who is Cal Rudman? He, like, I, I looked him up and he seemed to do quite a few things with WWF after this point. Yeah. He did a Philly commentating. Yeah, um, Philly commentating forever. He was a big time Mark, too, when he was doing it. Like, <laughs> you could tell he was like, in love with Morocco and... <laughs> And stuff, but hated the heels for the most part, except for Morocco, who he loved for some odd all reason. When there's a like a Dick Murdoch and a Barry Windham match in the middle of like eighty, I want to say eighty five, and uh, uh, Murdoch is about to hit Barry Windham with a uh, crutch, and Cal tries to grab it from from him. Right, right. Let's uh. Kind of the- Beginnings of the rock and wrestling connection, in a way. What, Carl Rudman? Yeah. <laughs> I'm that, was, that, planted, that planted the seed in Vince's mind. Let's, um, Kelly, what, what, what did you make of this uh, Patterson, final look at Patterson DBRC? Yeah, uh, similar to Pete, that it's, you know, yeah, anticlimactic, that it's the final one. And um, all the previous matches between them were, were better. Um, the stall at the beginning with Patterson was good. I, I, he wouldn't take his jacket off for the longest time. That was cool. Um, DiBiase again. I mean, the crowd was was really behind uh, Babyface Ted, so he was super over. Um, more evidence of him being a, a pretty good Babyface worker at this time. And actually, I, I think he probably learned a lot from Patterson uh, working this uh, program uh, around the horn with him. Month yeah, or great. month after month, yeah, uh, like a school class for uh, Ted. Um, yeah, I mean it was a typical uh, Patterson finish. I mean it's, he's consistent with his his uh, his quick yeah, cheating uh, finishes, but um, no, oh, well, yeah, it sputtered out. But uh, Ted uh, is on to some uh, bigger and better things actually after this. So. It would, I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit higher on this than the both of you. We, we Ted hit nine massive knee drops uh, on Patterson's <laughs> leg at the start. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah. he, he hit nine big punches into Patterson's face. Big body slam. Massive knee drop across Patterson's chest. There was an awesome spot in which he uh, rammed Patterson's head into the mat and then Patterson flopped all the way over. Did you see that? I thought that was awesome. Um... Uh, Patterson missed a shoulder, which got posted, and then Ted immediately capitalized with a jab, uh, which went into an abdominal stretch. And I thought this is possibly the best abdominal stretch I've ever seen because he was bouncing up and down on it, <laughs> really wrenching. Yeah. Like as far yeah, as abdominal stretches go, this was a really good ab- abdominal stretch. Um, yeah. And then he got to the ropes, Patterson, and Ted went right back to it in the middle, which makes perfect sense. Um, you know, there's no reason not to go back to the hold. Uh, and then Patterson actually got some, like, when he got on uh, offense, he was using the choke rule to his advantage. Um, blatant choking, and even babyface Ted was forced to go to the eyes to break it. And then Ted fires up, and to my mind, that particular fire he showed was possibly the best fire of any face we've seen so far. I mean, considering that he's going up against Strongbow and the like, <laughs> it's not saying a lot, but it's pretty it's pre- it's pretty good fire, I, you know. Um, and... Uh, 
and then Patterson goes to the tights to get the brass knucks. Ted actually finds the brass knucks, uh, but yeah. Patterson trips him to get the cheap pin anyway for the with yeah. the legs on the rope. So I thought it was an interesting finish. It wasn't done in the way that I'd uh, um, expect. I thought it was another. I thought it was better than possibly better than the second match between the two of them. And um, Patterson worked like a real cheap low life kind of heel here. Uh, yeah, Vince yeah. calls him a crafty veteran and. Ted continued to impress me as a babyface, so I, I was I think I was a bit higher on it than the both of you. So yeah, your your love of Ted really comes out in the review of that match because it makes <laughs> me want to rewatch it, but but I'm not because uh, <laughs> I know you're biased. He wasn't biased. He was he was great. He was great. Well, he, man. he was really good. It was fine. It was just a short match. I mean, it's just it was like what yeah. seven minutes or so. And a couple that was stalling, but there was for what it was, there was a lot of action in it. I want to go back to uh, to your point earlier about how Ted learned a lot from uh, Patterson. You could see a lot of the his heel tendencies. He he did like ape off uh, Pat, and one of them was like Pat was the king of the knuckle duster. It looks like, and you know, South yeah. Ted just used the loaded glove. I mean, and just like you just you know just expanded yeah. on it a little bit. No, no, absolutely, and uh, even the way that um, heel Ted sells as a some of the like i mentioned that spot with patterson flopping over well i mean t- ted in his late wf run does that in almost every match at, at some point yeah. where he he does that flop over move so yeah no i can see a lot of uh kind of late patterson in late dbrc if that makes any sense um well that's what made these guys so great was that they kept going from territory to territory and and uh you know it was like uh, jamming with uh, another great uh guitar player you know and playing in another band got you know more influences learned more and uh, yeah acquired so much knowledge yeah yeah well i mean this uh this made me think though for the first time this little run of tez that we saw that in an alternate universe he could have been a really good baby face as well like uh later on in his career i always think of ted as obviously we always think of ted as a heel right um even even in mid-south he's a he's a heel um but yeah, he showed. I see. In my mind, in that uh, later babyface run that he has in Mid South, he's a lot more bland. Um, I need to rewatch it, but he. I don't recall him showing as much fire as he does in these matches. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that stuff recently. I've seen some of it, and I think you're right. Yeah. So uh, mixed bag this evening on this disc. Uh, let's um, say match of the night. Um, I think I'm going with Patterson and Backlund in the cage. I, I, you know, I, it was joined in progress and clipped, but I think it had, when I finished watching it, I felt, you know, this was really good. Whereas with the second, I guess the other contender, San Martino and Valentine, I thought it was, it was good, but yeah, the finish was wonky, uh, with the blood stoppage and, yeah, I, I I was more at the end of the Patterson Backlund match. I was more like into it. Uh, yeah, so that's my pick. Uh, Pete. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the the cage match also. Even though I think Bruno and Valentine have a strong case, uh, but at least the the cage match there was a clean finish, and it was it was still had a lot of uh, cool elements to it. Um, again, I didn't think there was any blow blow away matches tonight. I mean. There's a couple of this you had here and there, 
uh, I really want to pick the Bruno match, but I'm going to go with Patterson Backlund. Well, well, for me, the cage match isn't even in it. It's between um, Patterson DBRC and Bruno Greg, um, and I'll probably give it to Bruno Greg because I just saw it was a different match that we than we've seen from uh, yeah from from Bruno, and I thought Valentine was great and Bruno was great in that. Yeah. And I'm not sure how how great both guys. I'm not sure how great Backlund was in that cage match. I'll say that. Um, and I really hate that finish. I mean, even if it was done, going out the <laughs> going out the door is shit, you know. So there we are. But more than the blood stoppage finish. Uh, yeah, I can I can accept I can accept the blood stoppage finish because it um, protects uh, Greg, whereas yeah. all the all the door finish does is make me think that Backland is I, I don't know it just doesn't it doesn't put over Backland strongly enough for my tastes. Just makes it seem like he slipped out the door. It's just very anticlimactic as finishes go. I mean, it's not Backlund's fault. It's just a bad finish. Um, but uh, MVP. Um. Ah, uh, Valentine. Yeah. I don't. No one really stands out for me on this disc for some reason. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it definitely wasn't the strongest disc that we've seen. <laughs> yeah. So you, you went with Valentine, Pete. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Patterson again. I, I love that opening promo. I mean, I just I loved how they yeah. both contradicted each other. Twenty, and I'd be no. I went through fifteen. No, he went through twenty. You know, uh, <laughs> it's just tremendous bullshit. I mean, both heels <laughs> lying. <laughs> and stuff uh and i thought patterson's matches i thought he was he was very good and mean in both his matches that was on the set you know no, no real flaws he he carried his end of the of, of, of what he he did what he could in that cage match and i felt with the time constraints of the db Aussie match i thought he did really good too yeah i think patterson was the strongest in-ring worker here but if i have to give it to anyone i'm giving it to andy uh andy kaufman <laughs> one for just being there and uh, two for just being such a subtle subtle heel as he was here yeah. uh, no I thought he was really good so I'll give it to him and uh, well do we even need to ask who the worst worker was <laughs> Swede it's got to be Swede handsome right? he was just awful yeah yeah, yeah there's nobody else <laughs> <laughs> alright well it's bad, yeah, you know. A, a lot of change uh, now uh, going into the next disc. There's a lot of guys that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And uh, from from just doing my kind of looking at, you know, Ivan Koloff's career and stuff, um, it seemed that around November time was the time where they, they, there'd be a lot of movement of talent in New York. You know, guys would leave and new guys would come. So... Um, it looks like we 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 get an influx here in in November, so yeah. plenty of bio work for uh, you and I, Kelly. Yeah, I think I counted twelve potential bios for the next one. I've already done some research. I I, I had Jeez. some time on the jobbers, 
just to see what was out there. Because there's a lot, there's a bunch of jobbers on the next one. Kelly, I can tell you now, you can have all of the jobbers. And I, I'll take them all. <laughs> you can have Bobby Because I know you're going to take Hogan. Yeah, you'll take Hogan. I'll take, I'll take Hogan and the Wild Samoans and Anoki. You, could, you can take Oh, can I have Bobby Duncombe? You can have Duncombe. <laughs> Duncombe is... Uh, Duncan is too minor a worker for me to give his. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you can't probably your hands with it. I'll take Johnny Rods, of course. Hey, man, Johnny Rods is fun. Um, Laura a lot of guys that I have never heard of, of course. Harry Valdez. That's who Hogan works with. What was Johnny Rods, and what did he go by in California? What was that? Um... Java Rook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? And, Jabba Rook. Java. J A V A R U U K. Jabba Rook, okay. And he feuded with Roddy Piper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, well, all of that to look forward to next time on the Titans of Wrestling. Join us then. So long, everyone. Have a good one. Missed you, James. <laughs>